Welcome to Season 8, Episode 4 of Digital Learning Radio. I'm Laura, and I'm joined by my co-host, Catherine. For this season of our podcast, we are focusing on transcending the triage of our remote learning lives as we discuss where we are and where we're going to transform our pedagogy and practices. Today's episode will focus on the pillar of curation through the lens of educators. Well, Laura, I know we're not supposed to have a favorite pillar, but I believe curation is mine. And I want us to start first with thinking about a quote from the book again, where Gail says, technology has made possible a radical change in who owns and organizes the learning. And we talked about owning your own learning during our discussions with the pillar of design. And today we're talking about organizing our own learning with the idea of curation. And I've talked a lot about curation in my uh, professional learning sessions. And so to get our participants thinking, I give them questions like, how is your bookmark game? How do you organize your bookmarks? Or if you find something that you love, whether it's a blog post or a tweet or a video or a recipe, how do you um, find it later? How many times mm -hmm. have you emailed something to yourself, <laughs> hand raised mm -hmm. with that one? <laughs> and then um, Laura, since you're um, a tech lover like I am, how many times have you ever been asked, how do you keep up with all the tech tools and the updates? <laughs> Oh yeah, all of those questions ring so true to me and some are better than others. I was kind of cringy when you were saying, how's your bookmark game? Uh, or that just kind of weird thing of emailing something to yourself, <laughs> whatever works. But uh, yeah, how do you keep up with all of it is a question that I am rhetorically and seriously <laughs> asked a lot. Um, and then right now, that's a great question. And the answer is, I'm struggling. <laughs> to keep up with everything. I think this idea of curation is so relevant right now because there has just been an onslaught of social media sharing overload. There's so many good things out there, but they are coming so quickly. It has been more difficult than usual just to keep up with everything. I totally agree. <laughs> You know, there's that old analogy of trying to drink from a fire hose, and I find that incredibly accurate right now. I mean, thinking about just a couple of weeks ago, when we first shifted to this remote learning piece, uh, I had to just like walk away from Twitter a couple of times, which is not my usual style. That's where I learned so many things. There's just a lot and, and it was difficult to keep up. So I think thinking through curation and organizing our learning is incredibly important, especially now because there's so much going on and uh, it may be more difficult to keep up with everything. Same for all of all of the above, everything that you see. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when we think about curation, um, maybe in the before times, before we are in our emergency remote life, what types of habits are you in? What are strategies that you use to answer those questions, to stay on top of things, to share with others, to avoid emailing links to yourselves? What are you doing always or what were you doing before our remote life that has continued or maybe shifted in, in our current times? 
I am, and I know you are as well, Laura. I am a Twitter mm. uh, user, and I have a lot of hashtags that I follow. So I use a tool called TweetDeck and organize my hashtags. So if I am looking for some new information, I go to one particular um, hashtag, one column on my tweet deck, and find that information. If it is a link to a blog post, I'll open up the blog post and you know kind of look through that very quickly. If I decide this is something I need to keep for later, then I do something either with a bookmark, put it in another tool, search for that later. So I always start with Twitter. That's what I started with um, with COVID nineteen. <laughs> Again, mm -hmm. like you, got overwhelmed <laughs> with everything. Mm -hmm. So. A lot of times I will then share those resources with teammates or with um, participants. So that's yeah. Started, starting with Twitter though and hashtags. Yeah, my my usual time, regular mind is really similar and um, really, really learn a lot from Twitter. The people that I follow and the educators are, have created a really nice curated uh, PLN uh, of a, a good go-to place to go. And actually, I learned from you to use the bookmarks in Twitter. Uh, I found that I was liking and favoriting too many things, and it was too much to go back and find easily or quickly. And so utilizing those bookmarks in Twitter has been helpful for me as well. But yeah, I, I think with this just again, almost overshare. And again, there's so many good things out there. I kind of lost my regular organization strategies and just started to try to drink from a fire hose when we went remote. And I don't know why, but I just stopped using my usual curation strategies and was just liking everything or putting my phone down and walking away. And so trying to be more intentional with that organization of learning, especially as we at Region 10 are planning for summer and, and fall PD and thinking about the best things to bring to our webinars. Now is the time that I have really kind of resurfaced and want to be able to access and share some of the great stuff that's happening right now pretty quickly. Okay, so we've talked a lot about, we've said this word curation a lot, but let's mm. go through and define it according to Gail and the pillars. And let's see where our strategies and our fit into Gail's framework for curation. Gail calls this the three S's of great curation, and her S's are scan, sensemake, and share. Scanning is looking for that information. Sensemaking or studying is organizing or annotating it, and then sharing it, either sharing it with colleagues, sharing it with, um, in our case, participants, maybe sharing with students. So when I think about curation, I can't remember when I first became aware of this word, but it feels kind of ubiquitous in education right now. Something that really helped me understand what curation really is and looks like is the analogy of a museum curator. Like we have been to museums and seen this in action. And so this was a really helpful way for me to kind of solidify 
okay, this is what this organization, this scanning, sense-making, and sharing looks like. When you go to a museum exhibit, you know, you don't see every single thing from Egypt just kind of exploded in the hall. It's been thoughtfully organized, set up. There might be a blurb to set the tone. You know what you're looking at. You look at those nicely little organized cases with just a handful of artifacts to really help you in your understanding and sharing all of the cool things that are out there. So that's kind of always in the back of my mind when I think about curation. And so when I think about scanning through all of the hashtags and all of the things that are happening on Twitter and using that media literacy skill. You know, we all talk a lot about media literacy to make sense of all of the things that are out there and then choose a strategy if it is liking it or adding it to a bookmark or taking it to another tool to then be able to share that out later really becomes a workflow um, of taking in information and just kind of organizing it in a way that makes sense. Well, Gail wrote a post several years ago that she called this idea of curation a learning workflow. And I Mm. love that if we're going to learn something new, then how do we do that? And how do we organize that learning? Let's dig in a little bit thinking back to something new that you've learned, Laura, over the (laughs) COVID-19. What have you been curating? (laughs) Yes. Well, in addition to all of Twitter, I'm just curating all of Twitter, uh, no, and related education posts. I decided that I needed to do something as I am, uh, you know, quarantined in my apartment. And so I decided now would be a great time to take up yoga from my home. Uh, Super helpful for like a small physical thing, a mental thing, but I have no yoga background. I have no idea what I'm doing, where to even begin. And so, you know, if you just try to Google yoga, that's that's (laughs) far, far too much uh, and and not helpful. And so that's like a real life example of me needing to curate some great yoga practices and videos. And so with that searching, you know, uh, at first I did Google it and I was like, this is a terrible idea. So I reached out to a couple of yogi friends, uh, shout out Region 10, Nancy Watson pointed me in a good direction and a couple of other friends sent me youtube channels or places that they have gone and so that was a smaller amount for me to kind of go through to sift through and make sense of what works for me uh, i quickly realized that i needed the beginner piece <laughs> because uh one one of the youtube playlists i clicked on i was like i don't know what any of these uh words mean or how to make my body do that <laughs> so uh shout out mm. to where i've landed a uh, yoga with adrian <laughs> check it out uh it's awesome But yeah, that really was a real life way to go through some of the links that my friends and colleagues sent me, find out what makes sense to me. And then very annoyingly, I have shared this out with many of my friends who do not care about online yoga, but (laughs) I am sharing the YouTube playlist that I have since curated with with them. So yeah, that's a that's a real life example right there. Well, your sense making then would be creating your own playlist and mm-hmm. organizing things and kind of going through like this will work this won't work oh i really like this one and then like you said the sharing so um you use those three s's very well laura yes <laughs> okay so if i want to think and take this back to an education point of view 
-hmm. We probably have had a lot of educators in the area, in the world, that decided, oh, I need to use Google Classroom, or they were told by their district, I need to use Google Classroom for the very first time. So Mm -hmm. what would curation look like if you were a brand new user to Google Classroom? How would you go about using and curating some resources for that? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about our previous discussion about really using this time to figure out our learning preferences for design, because just like yoga, if you Googled Google Classroom right now, I imagine a myriad, like too many, an overwhelming number of things would come up and you would really have to sift through them. And so thinking through your strategy, hey, if I know hashtags that are related to G Suite or some EdTech hashtags, I would start there. Or I know that uh, G Suite has its own playlist of welcome to Google Classroom, how to get started. Um, That's where that learning preference comes into play, though. I personally do not want to watch a lot of Uh, video tutorials, that's not for me. So I am personally looking for like an FAQ document or a step-by-step type of deal, whereas maybe you enjoy the video playlist and you want to check that out. And so kind of honing in on where we want to go and then making sense in a way for, in a way that aligns to your learning preference as well as just kind of where you are in the moment of learning, I think is um, a way to start kind of sifting through and curating those Google Classroom resources. Well, and then the sense-making part would really be like, oh, this one was so helpful for me and let me bookmark this or let me put this in a place where I can go back to it later. There might have been one little part that I wasn't quite ready for, so but mm-hmm. I need to return to it next week when I get to that step. So... Well, and even thinking about that, you know, being able to find it again to share with a colleague or to quickly find, oh yeah, where was that really good video tutorial or step-by-step FAQ document to review yourself, but also to share with somebody else. I think that's a really helpful part of the curation piece as well. So a lot of educators have probably been curating and they just didn't know it. And there might've been ways that they could improve the practice a little bit. Like, like we both said, we're like, oh, our curation game got off a little bit this month. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah. Well, I like that you mentioned um, a learning process and really thinking about this is a process of a workflow. We've all kind of readjusted and possibly completely overhauled our workflows right now. And I think having an intentional workflow that includes curation is something that is really beneficial now and to take with us as we transition back to our next stage of um, planning, learning, thinking about the fall, the summer, you know, beyond. But I also like the idea of thinking about curation as a process because I sometimes think about curation as a tool. You know, you asked what's our curation piece and we both said Twitter or I love Google Keep or Trello or there's so many tools that uh, curation can be housed in that sometimes I don't differentiate them in my head. So I'm really glad that we're talking about this process. You know, I used it to find the best yoga videos for me. It's not just a tool that you're curating through. It really is a, a process of learning. I am nodding and you can't see that. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, so then 
let's think about what's going to happen this summer or in the fall. If we go back to my first examples where I asked, how do you go back and find a resource? What does your bookmark mm-hmm. game look like? What is a way that you can quickly find things that you loved right now that you knew that that wouldn't work in the situation you're in? Um, how can you find and share those resources with other teachers or with your PLCs? Okay, so to answer this, I'm going to go back to Gail's S's. At the beginning of remote learning and just the plethora of things that were posted and tweeted and blogged and emailed, I was really just trying to scan to sift through it. And I wasn't doing it intentionally. I was just watching it all roll in, (laughs) scanning all of that information with little sense, to to be honest. Um, Then a couple weeks after that, I really started to resurface and do that sense-making. Okay, Laura, you have favorited 500 tweets in the last (laughs) two weeks. What do you really want to pull out and really how do you want to organize it? Uh, Where are you putting that? How are you sifting through those things really with that end goal of sharing? So I'm getting ready for summer PD. I'm sharing best practices and tips with colleagues and teacher friends. How am I gathering those links that I have favorited and squirreled away and put everywhere to share those out in a way that is accessible, easy to see, and best for everybody involved? Okay, Laura, I am in exactly the same place you are, and my process was the same as yours. So then let's talk about some tools, get a little bit more specific. So with my um, whole process, I did the same. I favorited too many tweets. Now I've kind of organized them a little bit, and I'm planning for my summer professional learning. And I still think I'm in this triage mindset, and so I'm not exactly using my same process and my same tools, but right now I'm putting them in a Google Doc that I am being very um, intentional about the links that I'm sharing. I'm also not just throwing in the URLs, but I'm hyperlinking everything so it says the title of Mm -hmm. the article or the tweet or the video, and then I'm adding a little bit of context as well. I've also got a table going and I'm thinking about my session specifically. So if I am doing a session on retrieval practice, I've got a couple of links that are specific to that whole session. So my sense making part right now is organizing just with a Google Doc and then I still need to work on ways that I can share that with participants in the summer professional development. So what about you? Okay, so it's so interesting to kind of peel back people's brains and look at their different processes. I feel like I learn so much about people and from them (laughs) when I hear their thinking and processes. Um, Mine is similar, but different. I would completely echo what you said about trying to get through the triage piece and kind of back to the processes that I already had in place for curating. So I really like the tool Trello. Um, And so I have a Trello board that has a bunch of columns related to things that I am building professional development about and also just kind of things that I'm thinking. So I have a column that is remote learning. And whenever I 
watch a webinar or read a post that's related to remote learning, I grab that link and I put it in that column. Uh, and then I have one that's AR VR. When I read something new or see an update, I kind of throw that link into there. And so I also have one that is just titled wildcard or things to think about, um, as well as specific to do's. And so when I am pulling up that um, designing a professional development, I pull up that Trello board to see, okay, oh yeah, which links did I really want to read and learn more from? Or which links did I want to add to my presentation to share out with others? And so I really like your point though about um, naming those URLs because my URLs are just thrown in there. They're not hyperlinked and that is a really helpful organizational piece, uh, especially in a Google Doc. But yeah, I've got columns that are pretty organized and uh, then there's a color coding system within the columns because I do love a color code. But yeah, Trello, Trello board for organization of the curated links for me is what I'm doing and trying to get back to in a better habit. Well, I think this goes back to what you were talking about earlier about our own learning preferences mm. and thinking that your Trello board works for you, Google Docs or some other tools work for me. There are so many curation tools out there and you have to play with things and you have to figure out your own preferences and processes. And it's, it's definitely, um, something that will take a little bit of time to figure out, but I'm so happy to now get back out of that just scanning <laughs> triage stage. Yeah, for sure. And again, just thinking about that as a process and whichever tool or series of tools works best for you to get out of that triage and just scanning links to really be transformative in the way that we share this learning with others is something that is important and something that I am also excited to get back in the mind mindset of doing more regularly. Well, we have some of our favorite tools that we will just share a curated list of curation tools in the show yes. notes. <laughs> but this conversation was so good. Now I am motivated to get back on my curation game. It is one of my favorite things, but I know how important it is to organize my learning and then be able to share it with others. Absolutely. I was saying uh, being trapped in our homes, it's been a great, great time to maybe organize a closet, <laughs> organize your life. I have kind of done that, but also a good time in planning to organize all of this links and learning that we have curated right now. So yeah, me too. I'm feeling, I'm feeling motivated. All right. Well, thanks for spending time with us today. Remember to take care of yourselves, take care of your families, take care of your students, and know that we will transcend this time of triage and emerge transformed. If you want to continue the conversations or if you have additional questions or feedback, find us on Twitter at DigLearnRadio. 